Hi everyone, this is Van Cochran, Vineyard Northwest. The message today is taken from Isaiah chapter 43 and Acts chapter 4. Main thrust is very simple, it is this. God is with us whatever we face and whatever we go through. And the second main point is this. His goal for our lives is more than survival. We need to walk in His mission. That's why He is with us. Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, it's great to see you all here today, and uh, those that are joining us on live stream. There are probably a lot more of you out there on live stream than actually here in this room, but uh, we're thankful for each and every one of you, and really glad that we can join together and join our hearts together like this to worship. Um, I, I don't know how many of you are enjoying the whole mask experience. I've been through three or four of these this kind. I had a problem, though, this morning. I don't know about you, but when I was singing, my mask started vibrating, and it was tickling my nose and my, so anybody else have anything like that happen? Yeah, I don't know. Well, at any rate, we're wearing masks for this season of time and uh, we want everyone to be as safe as they can be. And uh, that's really our desire. So, hey, I have a couple of jokes for you this morning to start off. And so um, I, I wanted to tell you this, Amanda just announced the dance lab. I will be teaching the dance lab, okay? And in case you don't get it, that's the first joke. All right. All right. Now, along the Star Wars theme, what would Obi-Wan Kenobi's little brother be called? His name was Obi-2 Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi? Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, Chewbacca created a website to release secret information. It was called Wookiee Leaks. It's better, it's better. And what would be the name of the invisible droid on a Star Wars, in a Star Wars movie episode? It would be C-through-P-O, okay? You get it? All right. All right, well, actually, I wasn't supposed to speak today. Luke was scheduled uh, to finish his message from last week. But Luke and Jamie are having a baby, and it appears that they're having that baby sometime very soon. Yeah. So let's just pray for them right now, and then we'll jump into the message. Father, uh, we, we come and we ask in behalf of Luke and Jamie, especially Jamie, Lord, just to give her peace and, uh, and calm heart and courage. And we pray that uh, little baby Hazelmeyer will come out healthy and strong, and, and mother and baby will both be just, just um, go through this whole experience well and uh, come out healthy and strong. Bless Luke, Lord, give him wisdom to be supportive and draw their hearts together in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So um, <clears throat> I was going to go through the same passage Luke did last week and, and uh, just kind of exegete that. But as we were praying earlier, the Lord uh, put this in my mind, Isaiah 43. And so we're going to start off on Isaiah 43 this morning. I'm not quite sure where we're going to go from there. But I know Isaiah is a powerful book. It's one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. 
And if you haven't read Isaiah recently, it's, it is incredible. The first 30 chapters of Isaiah uh, take a, of a note of warning. They're kind of like a warning to Israel. Probably 80% of the first 30 chapters are warning with 20% encouragement. But then once you get through those first 30, starting about chapter 35, the whole thing flips. And 80% of it then becomes encouragement and talking about the coming kingdom and the blessings that God's going to pour out on his people through his kingdom. And then there's a little warning, but not as much of the warning in the last, last part. And so I want to start off in Isaiah 43 today. That's the exact chapter that God spoke to me about just about an hour ago. And, um, and this, this chapter is powerful. I've memorized these verses many, many years ago. But in Isaiah 43, starting in verse 1, here's what it says. Now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. And you know, anytime it, there's a promise made in the Old Testament, even though it might be stated to, to the nation of Israel or to even an individual, it by extension, it applies to us today because all promises of God are fulfilled in Christ. And 2 Corinthians says that, that every promise, however many there are in the Bible, are fulfilled to us and, and, and spoken to us with a resounding yes so that the promises God's given throughout the Bible all are summed up in Christ, and because we know Jesus, they're all ours. And so what we read here applies directly to our lives. And here's what he says. Fear not, <clears throat> for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Now, what Isaiah is doing here is speaking to the nation of Israel and, and speaking to us and to our lives and our hearts today to give us comfort and strength as we face difficulties in life. And he uses three different illustrations here. One is um, the, the waters, when you're passing through the waters. And so this would be uh, representative of, of going through a, a river, you know, deep river. You're trying to get across that river and you're going through the waters and it's dangerous and there's a threat that is there. But then he goes on and he says, uh, when you pass through the waters, when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. What he's talking about there is more like a flood water type of a thing. When, when water floods and when it's rushing, they say that even knee deep flood waters can sweep you off your feet. And once you're off your feet, even in two feet of flood water, it's very, very, very hard to survive. God says, even in, the, even in flood waters, I'm with you. Even in flood waters, you're going to survive. That's kind of personal to me and to my family because um, probably 40 years ago, there was a flash flood back near my hometown. And my mother and two of my sisters and a friend of one of my sisters, was uh, they were driving down this um, little valley and uh, as just ahead of the floodwaters. 
And so the waters were streaming down off the side of the hill so much that they hit a, a big a big puddle on the street and it flooded their car out and the car died. And so what did they do? Well, there was a gas station right at the very bottom of, of that little valley. So they went down to wait at the gas station and uh, they called my dad, went to a house and called my father to come and get them, which he couldn't get through because of the flooding. And they went down to the very bottom of this little, little valley and they're waiting there. And the waters kept getting higher and higher and higher. And finally, when the waters were, were just about knee deep, between knee and thigh deep, they decided they ought to leave. And so they all locked arms and uh, traveled through that water probably 50 yards to get to higher ground. But they all made it, and we, think, we, we, we teased them a little about the fact that during a flash flood, they went to the lowest point they could find. But uh, we're just thankful they made it. And God here, he tells us, even if you find yourself in a circumstance like that, even if you find yourself right in the, in the lowest point when a flash flood's coming through, he says, I'm going to be with you. He says, I'm going to carry you through that. And then, he, and then of course, he says the fire. And this, uh, th these things are reminiscent of other events in the Bible, of course. Uh, the, the Jews passing through the Red Sea when God parted the waters. And here the fire, he says, I'll be with you. And the three, uh, the three young men from Israel in, um, in Babylon in the book of Daniel who were cast into a fiery furnace. And the fourth person appears in that furnace. As the king looks in, he sees a fourth person that would have most certainly been Jesus. And they come out and their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. They were totally, completely delivered from, from uh, that horrific uh, situation and what could have been very horrific thing. And he says, I'm the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And he says, when you face things like this, don't be afraid. Because he says, I am with you. And there's really no more significant phrase in the Bible than that phrase when God speaks it. When he says, I am with you, there's nothing that, can, that should be more comforting to us or strengthen our hearts more. Or, or give us more courage to forge ahead, or just, just give us peace, that everything's going to be okay because God is with me. And when that happens, when we experience that peace, he tells us here that we know we're going to survive that. And what we're going through right now, what we've been going through for months now, uh, this whole coronavirus, COVID-19, and then you layer on top of that all of the riots and, 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 um, and burning of buildings and attacking of government properties and, and all of that happening in different cities, a few different cities in, in our land. It's very easy to look at this all and to say, yeah, it feels kind of like we're being flooded. It, it feels kind of like you know, I'm, I'm in the midst of, of a torrent of something that is threatening to sweep, sweep us all away. And yet God says, even in the midst of something like that, be confident because I'm with you. Most significant thing about everything that's happening today is that phrase, I am with you, okay? More significant than the coronavirus, more significant than COVID-19 or any friends or family that you may know who have had it or any fear of your own that you might have it or that you might contract it. More significant than any of that is that simple phrase, I am with you. Say that with me, okay? I am with you. Again, I am with you. God says that, I am with you. And you can have confidence. You're gonna survive. It's going to be okay. But you know, survival isn't the end goal, is it? 
You know, once you've gone through the trial and you have survived, and you think, well, I survived, wow. What's next? There has to be something else to life more than just survival. There has to be. And God's word tells us over and over again that we survive for a purpose. We survive for a reason because he's called us to something. And he's given us a charge and a commission that goes beyond our own personal lives, our own personal comfort. So that my survival, the most significant part of that is I get to continue in advancing God's kingdom. That's why we survive. That's why. It's not so that I can settle back into a nice comfortable lifestyle or, or whatever I might think I had at one point in time that was, that was the good life. It is all about having purpose. And in the passage Luke looked at last week... Uh, I'm just going to refer to that quickly here. We're going to read a couple verses. He tells us about the purpose here. What's happening here in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John have uh, healed this guy, this lame man, preached a sermon. Thousands of people came to faith in Jesus. They get arrested. They get, they get uh, read the riot act by the most powerful people in the land, the very people that crucified Jesus. They're very bold in their response. They say to them, it was in the name of Jesus this man was healed. You crucified him. You killed him. So they're very bold in this, and, and they don't back down at all. These leaders look at Peter and John, and they recognize these are uneducated men, and yet they're, 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 they have this confidence and this boldness and this peace about them, and they recognize that's what we saw in Jesus. These guys have been with Jesus. They've, they know Jesus. And so they get released from prison after being ordered not to preach in the name of Jesus. Their answer to that was real simple. You tell us, should we obey you or God? It's very simple. You, you tell us, what, what do you think? Should we obey you or God? And of course, the answer is, we obey God. But then here's what happens. They get back, and um, it says, verse 23, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Realize, these chief priests and elders are the very people that murdered Jesus, it would be like having the Supreme Court and the head of Congress and the Senate and the president's cabinet take you into a room and say, how dare you do that? Don't do it. Stop doing that. Stop preaching in Jesus' name. And the, toss the Supreme Court in as well. And so they come away, and here's how, this, here's how the believers respond. It says, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God, and they, sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And you said, why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. And then they say this, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen, which God sent Jesus for the purpose of dying on the cross. And now listen to this. What do they say next? Now, Lord, oh, Lord, protect us. Oh, Lord, keep us safe from their attacks. But that's not what they say at all. They say, now, Lord, consider their threats 
and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. So they don't say, consider their threats and send angels to protect us. They don't say, consider their threats and take them out before they can do anything to us. No, they say, consider their threats, recognize this is kind of intimidating to us, and we need your strength to press through this. And so give us boldness, because we know we have a mission in this world. We know we are called to something in this life, and it isn't just survival. It's more than that. And so they go on and they say, stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then it says this, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. They speak God's word now boldly, and that's what they had prayed for. And, and that, that is the thing that is greater than simply survival, is the boldness God puts in our hearts, the courage he puts in our hearts to, out of love, speak his word boldly to the people in our lives and around our community and, and the people that we have the opportunity to influence. And so... It's more than just making it through the water, through the flood waters, or through the fire. It is taking up his cause for our lives. And it's, and it's more than just saying, God, send, send this angel or that angel, protect me or whatever. It is, God, give me strength to fulfill your purpose for my life. And however long that life is, God, let me serve you and let me walk with boldness. I love the fact that the room shook. Wouldn't that be exciting to just be someplace where the room actually shakes and where the, where the, well, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit again. That's where the boldness comes from. You know, when the Holy Spirit comes on us, something new happens, something different happens, and it's no longer our boldness. It's no longer just me trying to think, you know, I'm brave. I need to be brave. I need to be strong. I can do this. The Holy Spirit comes on us, and this is what happens. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you speak God's word with boldness. In fact, when we first started pressing more into Holy Spirit ministry, Robbie Dawkins um, drummed into us that power here is dependent upon us exercising power out there. The power comes as we go. And, and any, any church body that just wants to come together and experience God's presence and power and then go back out and live their lives is going to eventually, it's just going to, they're going to lose that power. They're going to lose that presence. And one of the things I love about this church is that we are committed to ministry out there. We're committed to that. And we're committed to doing things that could appear to be radical to many people. And, and we're still committed to that, and we're praying about what God wants us to do next as a church body in response to all the things we're seeing regarding COVID-19, and, and even regarding all of the protests and, and everything else that are happening around our country. But what we want to do is we want to have God's word in it. Yeah. We, we want to have God's insight into the whole thing. And you notice here what they did was they responded under the anointing of the Holy Spirit the way God led them to respond. And so uh, one of the things that happens, I think, with churches in our culture is something will happen out there, and there'll be a big cultural fur, and, and, and we'll look at it, and we'll say, yeah, there's some truth to that. 
And yeah, of course, wait, let's just say this. Of course, racism is a horrible thing. Of course, it's sinful. Of course it is. And none of us want to have any, any segment of our culture that is, that is discriminated against. We want to see that change. We do. And so it's easy then just to see everything that's happening out there. And, and we want them to know that we're good guys. We want them to know that, yeah, we see, we have insight. And so we kind of almost want to kind of like sneak up along and just say, yeah, us too. We agree. When really what we should be doing is this. We are, we are seated with Christ at the right hand of the Father. And what we want to do is not just find a worldly solution, the world's solution, the way the world's approaching the problem, and then say, yeah, we're with you. What we want to do is find God's solution. We want to find a divine solution, Holy Spirit-directed solution. And then we want, to, we want to bring that into play and respond in God's power, in, in anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that doesn't always come overnight. Sometimes it takes time. And, and sometimes when there's, when there's all this stuff happening in culture, you just have to sit, you just have to wait and, and sense what God's saying and sense what God's doing. But when he speaks, then act without fear, act with boldness. And, and so I, I just want to emphasize this, that we find purpose through the kingdom of God and through walking in the filling and power of the Holy Spirit. And this is for everybody. It's for all of us. It's for every one of us, irregardless of your personality style or your background or what you think you're capable of or your IQ level or your educational level or any of that. Uh, yesterday, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, Mary, but Mary and I were at HOTS, which is Healing on the Streets. And... Um, Mary's out there. She's more bold than I am. You know, we're praying for people, but she's just very boldly just asking people, can I pray for you today? And then engaging with them and ministering to them in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I mentioned to Mary, do you remember just a few years ago, we had a class called School of Kingdom Ministry Part 2. And in it, we did... Um, a lot of what we call power evangelism would send the students out to go out and find people to pray for. And I remembered Mary one day in class. Uh, this is okay that I share this. Isn't it? I thought it was. Mary in class saying, hey, I'm not Wilson. I'm an introvert. You can't expect me to go out there and do this the same as he does. And my answer to Mary and two or three other people in the class was, I said this. I said, look, picture it. It's 30 A.D., you're sitting alongside a street. You're sitting by the street. Jesus and 11 of his apostles come walking by. And he looks at you and he says, follow me. I, you know, in fact, I need a woman on my team. I need, a, I need a woman apostle. Follow me. Get up and follow me. Would you look at him and say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I'm not Wilson. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I'm not Peter. And... And so, and so Mary and I laugh about that now, but she took simple steps of obedience. She just said, okay, God, you've called me to this, then I'm going to start walking that direction. And now she's bold like a lion. She's out there praying for people and yeah. And so kind of like the bottom baseline is when, when I walk through the waters, through the flood waters, through the fire, God's with me. And, and, I, and I have that as a foundation. 
And then I just, th that, that's it. That's the foundation. Survival is the foundation. Purpose and vision and ministry and understanding what God's called me to is the thing that moves my life ahead. That's the thing that gives me purpose and it gives me reason to keep on going. Now, Jesus, or, or Jesus promises us in the New Testament that he will be with us just, just as God does here in Isaiah 43. But here in Isaiah 43, just a few verses later, the Lord speaks of the kingdom coming in those days in terms of how it's gonna impact our children. And he says over and over again in Isaiah, your children are gonna to return to me. And, and I think there's something so deep in our hearts for our children and our children's children that when, when you think about it and you can say, look, whatever happens, whatever happens in our society, our culture, our world, Jesus is gonna be with my children. God's gonna to say to them the same as he says to me, I will be with you. And there's tremendous comfort and strength we get in that. It gives us strength to keep on going. But here in verse uh, 6, God says, I will say to the north, well, he says this, do not be afraid for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created, whom I created for my glory. And so there's this tremendous promise here that, uh, that God will be with our children, that one of the signs of revival and renewal and restoration is in fact the return of children and the joy and excitement of children in knowing God and in serving God. And one of the great things about this church is we're teaching the kids uh, when we're in full session, that is we're teaching the kids how to pray for the sick. We're teaching them how to prophesy. We're teaching them how to minister to people. And, and, and children can pray, children can impact. Um, I have my, my son and his wife, Chad and Nicole, and their daughters, Phoebe and Essie, are with us today. And yeah, stand up, Phoebe, and wave to everybody, okay? Or everybody wave, yeah. At least Phoebe. Come on, Phoebe. Give them a wave. And Essie there. Uh, when Phoebe was about two years old, her dad came home with a migraine headache. And, uh, and they had been teaching them at their church, they go to a vineyard in Chicago, how to pray for, how to pray for the sick. And, um, and Phoebe wanted her dad's attention. He's, you know, honey, I have a migraine. And, and he said, well, you, why don't you pray for me? And so she said a prayer like, Jesus, please heal daddy. And he said, no, tell the migraine to leave like they're teaching you. And so she put her hand on his head and commanded the migraine to leave, and it left instantly, just like that. Way to go, Phoebe. And look, if a two-year-old can do that, you and I can do that, can't we? we? We need to have the mindset of the kingdom's presence here. We need to have the mindset, when God says, I am with you, that means fully and completely, and it's his desire to use us. He is with us. He is with you. That's more than just, hey, you know, good luck, I'm with you. You know, I, I'm, I support you. No, he is with you. He is present with you. And you can rest on that, and you can rely on that, and you can rest in his strength. Well, in the very next chapter, he talks more about children returning, and, and I find this exciting. When revival comes in chapter 43 of um, 
of Isaiah. He says, I'll pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. And then he says this, they will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. One will say, I belong to the Lord. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob, and still another will write on his hand, I belong to the Lord, or the Lord's. And they will take the name Israel. And so he says here, children are going to come back, and they're going to be excited about serving God. I like the idea, one's going to write on his hand. Do you think that was with permanent ink or not? Because people who say permanent, all right, Essie. People who say that I mean, I, I know some people will try to make a biblical case against tattoos, and, and, uh, and, and there are people that, you know, have their faces tattooed and stuff like that, that I, I would probably advise them not to do that. But maybe they're talking about tattoos. You know, they're going to write on their hand, I belong to God. And the children's hearts are for God. And, you know, what a delight that is and how exciting that is, but... Back in 43, verses 18 to 22, he says this. He says, forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. God is the one who comes into a desert land and fills it with life. He makes a way in the, if you feel like you're living in a desert right now, that's a good place to be because God promises he makes the wasteland into a forest. He fills the desert land with streams of water and with blessing. And so if, if, if that's how you've been feeling in your life and related to everything that's happening, I'm going to pray for you right now that the Holy Spirit will touch you this very moment and that you will begin to experience a fresh flow of his presence in your heart and in your life, in your body physically and in your mind. And so if, if you felt like you've been in, in the desert, you, felt, you have felt like you know, things have been hard and dry and you're not really connecting with God the way you want to, just receive this prayer right now, okay? If you want to, you can stand up. That would be a bold declaration and admission and an act of faith in him. Okay, thank you. All right. So, F Father, you've said this, that when we're, we're in dry ground, when we, when we feel like we're dry and we're living in, in drought, that you will pour out your spirit on us like water into desert land, and you will bring life and so we call upon you right now for that. And Lord, as, as the old, old timers prayed that ushered in the revival in the Hebrides, God, if you don't do it, how are we going to believe you in anything? You've promised this. So Holy Spirit, come. Let's come right now. It's more of your presence, Lord. More of your presence. Satisfy, satisfy thirsty hearts and, and make them thirstier yet for more of you. It's more, more, Lord. Pray a release of restoration, a release of the joy of knowing the Lord, a release of the excitement of being part of his work in this world. New, fresh way. 
a release of new boldness that comes with that fresh filling of the Spirit, just a release of new boldness. Let's bless Lord in Jesus' name. Okay, have a seat. I want to end with this. In 44, chapter 44 of Isaiah, verse 26, says this. Speaking of God, it says, He carries out the words of His servants and fulfills the predictions of His messengers. Now, what this means is that He gives us words to speak, and when we speak them, we bring about the desired impact. It releases the kingdom of God into this world. And, um, and, and so that's, that's why we do declarations. In Zechariah chapter 3, there is a, an incredible thing that happens. In Zechariah 3, Zechariah has a, vi- has a vision, and the angel of the Lord is there with him. That would be Jesus. And in Zechariah 3, the angel of the Lord, uh, they, they see the high priest, and he's death dressed in these filthy clothes in this vision. And the angel of the Lord Jesus tells those around him who would be angels to dress him in white, take off the filthy clothes and put him in white, dress him in white. And then here's what we, what we uh, read. Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing there, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin, and I will put rich garments on you. Now, this is Zechariah. Then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they, meaning the angels that were there, put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. So what's happening here is the angel of the Lord is, um, is speaking, and he's speaking blessing over the high priest, and he didn't invite Zechariah into this. He didn't say, well, Zechariah, what do you think? Zechariah, why don't you say something? Zechariah just somehow senses in his, in, in his knower, deep in his heart, he knows this is okay, and he just steps up, and he makes a declaration. Standing there with Jesus, he says, and put a clean turban on his head. Don't forget the turban. And so the, the, the angels that are there do what Zechariah says, and they put the turban on his head. And so we need to begin to recognize more deeply the authority that we actually have in the kingdom of God to speak truth, to release truth, to pray for people, to command migraine headaches to leave, to command twisted limbs to straighten out, to speak life over people so that people that are living in despair and despondency can experience the life of Jesus and to invite people into relationship with Jesus. We need to recognize and begin to understand more deeply that authority that we have for all of this. And I'm going to pray, and I think Amanda has an announcement to make. Is that right? Oh, you're going to close. Okay, good. So let's pray, okay? Um, Father, we're thankful for your goodness. We're thankful for all the blessings you give us in life, and we just rest in you right now. We rest in that, that, that statement that you've made, I am with you. I am with you. We thank you, God, that you're with us. 
We thank you that you're with us to give us life and to give us purpose in life. And we, we embrace that purpose. We open our hearts to say yes to your purpose for our lives and to walk in the authority and the power and the filling of the Holy Spirit that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.